The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pith Podcast. Get ready for contact. What's going on, everybody? This is Dex with the I Am Pitch Podcast, and I'm finally back again for another episode. Man, I hope you all enjoyed the last episode I posted. That was the sample from my book, I Am Pitt's Memoirs of an American Patriot. That was chapter 12 on my own two feet. So the audiobook is officially done. I've done my part. So now I have it going to an audio engineer. Hopefully we can get it to specific standards for Amazon, Audible, ACX and all that. I really don't want to have to go back into my closet again for eight months and sit in that hot ass closet and read my own book. It was a good experience, but I'm glad it's over and I never want to do it again. It, it was trying, it was challenging and it was taxing, but I'm just glad it's done. And I really hope and pray that it gets accepted because if not, I'm going to have to pack up and move back up into the closet. And I'm hoping that is not the case. You know, if you all listened to that and enjoyed it, I you know I really hope you all did. Uh, you know, leave me some reviews on it if you could. Tell me what you thought about it, how it made you feel, whatever. Just drop me a line at iampits at yahoo.com. Tell me your uh, views on it and opinions, all right? So, um, like I said, hopefully I'll be getting the whole thing out here in the next couple weeks. So, that'd be real nice. And also, man, hope everybody had a wonderful and safe Halloween. We had a okay one here, but I mean, we got ringed out, but not even that's the worst part. I, Halloween was okay, but it was the, the, the it was what I what happened before Halloween for me that really kind of threw me off course, off kilter a little bit. You know, so my son, man, my son's got real bad eczema. Both of my kids do. And so I took my son to the doctor the other day. It was just before Halloween. He had a doctor's appointment. And there's one thing that black parents that we all always cautious of. My parents did it with me and I do it with my children. Boy, you better put some lotion on your skin. Don't step out this house looking ashy. Man, my mama would be so ashamed of me if she was alive and was with me at our my son's doctor appointment. When I mean, the doctor was like, hey, little buddy, take off your clothes. And my son takes off his shirt. And this dude looks like Ashy Larry from the Chappelle show. And I mean, oh, it's horrible, man. It looked like he'd been rolling around in a pizza kitchen in the, on the floor. And the pizza dough and the, and the little dirt and the dust, man. I was like, oh, my God. I failed as a black father in this life because I let this little Negro step out looking like this. My eye oh, was horrible. And it got worse from there, though. Man, you know, it's a couple days before Halloween. You know, my son's excited. And then the doctor's like, hey, little fella, what are you going to be for Halloween? And now let me t- preface with this. My son has a little, not going to call it a speech impediment. He says some things that are his speeches little slurred and slow sometimes, and he mispronounces a lot of words sometimes. And this was a horrible time for a mispronunciation. So my son for Halloween this year decided he's going to be a ninja. And I'm cool with that. So, you know, the doctor's like, what are you going to be for little uh, Halloween little guy? My son says a nigga. I was like, no, whoa, whoa, buddy. Time out. Doc, he meant to say ninja. You got to announce on that J, on that J, bro. You got to pronounce Replace the J or the A with a J. Uh, man, 
funniest thing ever, but it wasn't really funny when it happened. I was like, oh, my God, what is this doctor going to think about us? And let this be a lesson to all you white people out there. Be careful with your word. Your letter swaps with that J for the A. That could get you hurt. Like, I ain't going to hurt you. I know you cool. I know it was a mistake. It happens. But just know if it could happen to my little son, it could happen to you. But yeah, we had like I said, we had a good Halloween, man. Like I said, we got rained out. It sucked. But my kids got plenty of candy. But there's something I need to talk to you all about that's really kind of pulling in my heart. And it's super urgent. And I need to get this off my chest. I'm, this is probably more important than the midterms. See, there is a war brewing in America. And I feel that we are headed towards a civil war. And this is going to be a civil war where it's almost like the first one, man. We're pitted, you know, brother against brother. But this is going to be sister against sister, family member against family member, neighbor against neighbor. This is going to be a civil war of epic proportions, man. And I feel like the foundation of our country and the fabric fabric of the American family, it's going to be it's going to rip at the seams. And this is going to be a war that's going to be fought between those who put up Christmas decorations directly after Halloween, and those of us who like to wait until Thanksgiving. This is a actual fight. This isn't just some social media, internet, you know, who blog going back and forth with people on social media. This is a battle for the soul of America. And it, the, my problem is it gets earlier and earlier every year. Now it's Halloween. Next, it'll be Labor Day. And see, if I don't stop in and push back and say something, it's going to get earlier and earlier every year. And then the next thing you know, we're going to have Christmas year round. And don't get me wrong. I love Christmas, but everything has its place in time. And my problem is I don't want or need your happiness, your giddiness and jolliness year round. You have to leave some room for bitterness and some discontent in your life. And you can't do that with Mariah Carey singing Christmas music year round. What is it about your sad and pathetic lives that you can't wait a few more weeks? Bro, we still have two more holidays before we get to Christmas. I mean, what about Veterans Day? Let me enjoy my free meal at Texas Roadhouse, Chili's, Applebee's, and all the dozens of other places we will all eat at that day without you overstepping with your Christmas cheer. And don't you dare come to me and thank me for my service if you have your tree up already. It's disrespectful and childish. Listen, I didn't almost die overseas in Iraq and carry around this partially functioned left arm that I have so that I could watch you hang up Christmas decorations in November before Veterans Day with your two good arms. Do I sound bitter? Well, yes, I am. I am. I told y'all I was bitter hanging up Christmas decorations after Halloween. You know what? You people are the reason why the rest of the world freaking hates us. <laughs> so before you put up those trees and decorations, I want y'all to ask yourself one thing. What would a disabled veteran in a wheelchair with no legs do? You know what he would do? He's a thinker. He's a planner. He's a strategizer. That's what we do in the military. And he knows he's disabled and he can't put up the decorations by himself. So you know what that disabled veteran would do? He would wait until Thanksgiving because what happens on Thanksgiving? 
All his friends and family members are going to come over. They're going to love on him, thank him for his service. Oh, I hate you lost your legs in the war. And you're not as tall as you used to be. And I know you can't hang up all these decorations by yourself. So he's going to take advantage of all that sympathy and be like, hey, since I'm disabled in this wheelchair with no legs, would y'all like to help me put up my Christmas tree and Christmas decorations? He doesn't have the luxury of putting up Christmas decorations at the Halloween because there's nobody there. But all his friends and family are going to be there on Thanksgiving in order to say thank you and share. Be thankful for his life and thanks for, for all he's done. They're going to help put up his deck Christmas decorations on Thanksgiving Day. That's what you do. But since we're talking about Christmas bitterness and disc discontent, let's talk about Daryl Brooks. And now I'm sure everybody, well, everybody should know the name Daryl Brooks. But since the media did not cover Daryl Brooks and his actions last year in a walk, is it Waukesha, Waukesha? Can't remember. I should know. I used to live in the closer the area. But uh, for everybody that knows, Daryl Brooks, it was uh, November 21st, 2021 last year. They were having a Christmas Day parade. And Daryl Brooks is a light-skinned black male that drove his car down the parade route. And he, I believe he killed, what was he? Uh, I think he killed six people and injured 62. Freaking tragic and terrible. My, I have two questions. One. Why are people having a Christmas parade on November 21st? We haven't even had the historic Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Wait your turn to celebrate your holiday, people. Sorry, I know I'm getting a little out of pocket. I got a little off track. Let me, I've digressed. Still got a little bitterness about people, y'all hanging up y'all Christmas decorations. But back on course I go. So the other week, uh, Daryl Brooks was found guilty on all 76 counts for his uh for the act that he committed that day man it was a horrible act i mean the video was just awful to watch man people just gathering innocently to celebrate the holiday season you know and they have this monster just randomly mow all these people down in his car for no good reason and so i guess he's going to court here next week for sentencing and unfortunately uh, wisconsin does not have the death penalty i know some people don't believe in the death penalty i am a person that does believe in the death penalty yeah, I just hate the fact that our tax dollars are going to go to keeping this scumbag oxygen thief alive for the rest of his life and giving him good medical care and medical treatment because he, you know, you know he's a ward of the state now. He belongs in a prison. And so our tax dollars are going to keep this guy alive. And it's a shame that our system is set up in a way to where it costs more to put somebody on death row than it does to keep somebody alive their entire lifetime because of the cost of appeals and all this stuff within our system, man. So I say the justice system in America is broke, but when it does work, thank God, hallelujah, people like Daryl Brooks are no longer walking the streets amongst us. Like I did not watch the trial. I told y'all before, I don't watch a lot of trials, man. It reminds me too much of work in my downtime, but I seen some of the videos from it and this guy was completely out of pocket. And this judge was just so patient with Mr. Brooks for some odd reason, man. And the worst part, uh, the best part was he was defending himself. He clearly had no clue what he was doing, but he's just going based off of emotions and preconceived notions and going off of some of his spiritual beliefs, as you could call them. And so everybody's looking at Daryl Brooks and just like he's a monster. Yes, he is a monster. But I wanted to dive a little deeper 
and figure out what made Daryl Brooks tick, what made it, what caused him to blow, what made Daryl Brooks a monster. And that's when I learned through my research that Daryl Brooks is a black Hebrew Israelite. If you don't know what that is, I'm going to explain that to you all here in a little bit. All right. So hang with me. So in this article from the Daily Mail, it says Brooks troubling track record has raised questions about his alleged motives for the killings and why he had been allowed to be on the streets. Among the brow raising social media posts that surfaced on Tuesday was a meme about Adolf Hitler and the identity of the real Jews. So in this post, this was actually posted in uh, 2015. He claimed Negroes are the true Hebrews and that America had moved false white Jews into a state of Israel. The post seemed to promote the views of the black Hebrew Israelites who believe that African-Americans are literal descendants of the Israelites in the Bible. And so the reason I'm actually talking more about Daryl Brooks and the black Hebrew Israelites is because this has been coming up a lot in the media lately. And it's not just by random people. It's coming up by people that are famous and well known. Now, me personally, I've known of the black Hebrew Israelites for a while. Uh, I've always had just kind of a base level knowledge of them because I see them out on the corners all the time where I work. And I've been approached by multiple black guys. And, hey, brother, do you know that you were part of the, you know, the, the 12th tribe of Israel? You know, you part of the lost tribe and been given pamphlets and everything. And I've seen these people all over the country. So uh, but for me, what got me was one Kanye West. Y'all know he's been in the news. This dude is clearly off his medication, off his rocker. Well, that's what we say. Uh, personally, I think he's part bipolar, part genius. And the man is a marketing genius. So I don't think this cat makes a move without thinking 100 steps ahead. You know, but he got in trouble the other day. And I think I mentioned on the last podcast for some anti-Semitic posts he made on Twitter on October 8th. It said, I'm a bit sleepy tonight, but when I wake up, I'm going death con three on Jewish people. The funny thing is, I actually can't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jew also. You guys have toyed with me and tried to back blackball anyone who opposes your agenda. Your agenda. So there's that. Black people are the real Jews also, you know. So that's more further along the line with it. Then we had Kyrie Irving. He's a basketball player in the NBA. Giant black guy. And he got suspended for five games because Kyrie Irving posted a link to a movie called Hebrew Hebrews, the Negroes wake up black America. The synopsis for this movie is it uh, uncovers the true identity of the children of Israel by providing the true ethnicity of Abraham, Ishmael, Isaac, Jacob, the sons of Ham, Shem and Jephthah. Find out what is Islam, Judaism, and Christianity have covered up for centuries in regards to the true biblical identity of the so-called Negro in the movie packed with tons of research. So Kyrie Irving posts a link to the movie in the media and everybody just comes after him and says that he's being anti-Semitic and he kind of claps back with the whole Kanye West thing. Well, I'm Jewish, so I can say it. It's not anti-Semitic. And man, these people... Man, I guess people, everybody's in search of something and wanted to belong to something. You would think him belonging to the NBA and having millions of dollars would do it, but it just goes to show that money can only do so much and your your identity runs deeper than your pockets. But before I get further into this whole Hebrew, black Hebrew Israelite thing, I do want to say, man, not, ladies and gentlemen, let's not make a monolith of people. I'm not going to sit here and say that all black Hebrew Israelites are bad, evil and crazy because that is not true. 
I know some people that are black Hebrew Israelites and they are actually good, decent people. But just like with anything else in this world, I know some Christians that are not great people. I know some Islam, know some people that study Islam that aren't great people. That's for every religion, culture, ethnicity, color. That is just the human condition. You have people that do good. You have people that do bad. You have people that take doctrine and they take it and spin it to their own little thing. The next thing you know, they got a whole church of people down in the Congo somewhere drinking Kool-Aid, you know, laced with cyanide. So judge each person on their own accord. And, you know, I'm not going to say judge the whole group. It's great. But also you have to look at the group and what they're preaching and believing. But, you you know, I guess it's what deeds, not words. But sometimes I, l- I look at words and deeds to be able to make a judgment on somebody or a group of individuals. And so what we need to realize with is the black Hebrew Israelite movement. See, it's rooted in a black Judaism. And that's a belief system that was birthed in the late 1800s by black Christians from the South Pentecostal holiness movement. So they claim to have received a revelation that America's recently emancipated slaves were God's chosen people, AKA the true Hebrews. And see, they wanted two things. They, uh, they believed in self-empowerment and economic dependence. So kind of a black separatist, black separation thing where they wanted to be left alone and be independent. And another keynote, all black Hebrew Israelites, reject all images of white Jesus and claim that these images are further attempts to steal the Israelis identity. Adherents have identified a Bible passage they believe that shows Jesus was a black man. They base this off of the book of Revelations, chapter one, verse 15. And that goes and his feet unto fine brass as if they burned in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. Now, I actually have to agree with that. Uh, even just based off that verse yeah was Jesus white black or was Jesus Middle Eastern well of course you know we all know the book of the Bible was all based in the Middle East so honestly I don't go with the whole blonde hair blue eye white Jesus you know I mean Jesus is to people who he is how people see him I really don't think that matters I mean if you're black and you see Jesus as black hey more power to you brother if you're from Europe and you see Jesus as white Jesus, hey, if that's how you vision, I guess that's how I believe that's how he show up to you. I mean, really, personally, I really don't care what color he was because it doesn't matter. It's about what he did for me and not what he looked like. But, you know, there again, then again, there we go with racism and people saying, you know, it's become whitewashed and yeah, it hasn't become whitewashed. Yeah, we could say that because every picture of Jesus I see in America is the same. Looks like the guy that lives a couple doors down from me. Or he looks like one of the young hipsters at the coffee shop with his, uh, you know, blue eyes and his blonde hair and a ponytail. So, yeah, the vision of Jesus, of course, has been distorted over years. I mean, it's history and it's people and it's men. People are going to distort things to make it look more like them because people are more comfortable when they see people that look like them. Not everybody's like me where I just look at people and be like, hey, what's up, y'all? I'm a special case and maybe y'all are, too, but that's just me. And so with the black Hebrew Israelites, what they are really known for is kind of how extreme they are. They are an ex- a fringe group, as you could say, within Judaism. But but every group has an origin story. And so for the black Hebrew Israelites, see their their origin story and where they start to become radical. We can go back to the 1800s 
And the earliest organized Black Hebrew Israelite congregation was started by a guy named F.S. Cherry. And he was the founder of the Church of the Living God, the pillar ground of the truth of all nations. And I said that was founded in the 1880s. The organization grew in size and influence after moving from Tennessee to Pennsylvania in the early 1900s. And Cherry, what he did was he integrated racism into his teachings and preachings that all biblical prophets and individuals were black and that white people were inherently evil and hated by God. And not only that, he also instructed his followers and made them believe that the earth is a square and that Jesus would return in the year 2000 to install blacks over whites through a race war. And now I'm sure Kyrie Irving's down for the whole earth being a square thing, considering that my man is a flat earther and has gone in on it, man. That dude, Kyrie Irving is, I don't know, he's just a special case, man. <laughs> I don't know. He's like the black Alex Jones. My man is all in and down on some conspiracy theories. Hey, man, you know what? If that's how you live your life, dog, hey, more power to you. Who am I to judge, you know? But see, the problem was, we're 22 years past the year 2000, and there is still no race war, although some might hear that and be like, well, Dex, we got a lot going on in this country right now. You all are not wrong. But race war wise, no, I don't. I just don't see it happening. Now, we have more so an a war of ideologies going on, you know, between, you know, far left and far right. But those of us kind of caught in the middle, like, I don't really see a race war or this war going on, you know, because everybody's just kind of living their lives and they're at peace with their neighbors. But when you turn on the news and you get on social media, everybody's at war, you know, and that's just not the case. So their 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 race war in the year 2000 is coming gone. So when the race, when the year 2000 came without the Israelite church prophecy coming to pass, its leaders then rebranded the organization as an Israelite church of God in Jesus Christ. And the na that's the name they still use today. So the organization has taken over. It was taken over in late 2000 by Chief High Priest Ta'abra. Bro, I can't even pronounce that name, but I'm gonna try. Taza Dakuya, and he was born Jermaine Grant, and he declared himself the Holy Spirit and the Comforter. And Grant recently prophesied that a vengeful Black Jesus would soon return to Earth to kill and enslave all whites. Unlike Cherry, however, he did not set a date for this time. He realized, man, we missed the mark by like 22 years, bro. You know, we're going to do this again, but we're going to rebrand it. And, you know, we ain't going to put a date on it. The evil black vengeful Jesus is coming. Oh, boy, I can't wait for that day. Oh, boy, the evil vengeful gangster black Jesus. I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> I just imagine white people all sitting around somewhere outside and they look over. Somebody's like, look. It's vengeful black Jesus coming to take us into slavery. Run, run, Karen, run for your white life, white Tanner. So, yeah, that's going to be a very interesting day for those with white skin when that does happen. <laughs> yeah, when it does happen, quote unquote, get out of here, man. <laughs> Ain't nobody believing that. I mean, maybe, you know, if you do subscribe to that, hey, more power to you, brother. You're going to be waiting for a long time. You know how many times I done lived through the end of the world and I'm only 37? How many times I've been told the... No, the apocalypse was coming all the time. So y'all going to be waiting to just like me. You know, but like I said, you know, these the black Hebrew Israelites, there's different sects that are all across the country. I've met many different types. They got them here in Louisville. They've been involved in some stuff, man. But like I said, each group is so different. And but what they're really known for is 
and their clothing. I, you can always spot a black Hebrew Israelite by their clothing. Their clothing is very, very unique. They all wear these, uh, and the colors are bright, a lot of purple, a lot of gold colors, a lot of gold trim, you know, a lot of red and maroon colors. But what is it that you really got to look at? It's the, the hem of their shirts. They have this thing that are, they wear around the hem of their shirts, like uh, tassels, like cloth tassels, I guess you could call it. I'm sure there's an actual legit name for it. I don't know what it is, what it does. I don't know. It's kind of like the Mormon magic underwear. I, I don't know. I can't really explain it. That's something I need to look more into. Just that I'm doing that for my enjoyment, not because I really care, because I just don't think it's that big of a deal. But that's just how I can spot them from a mile away. And also, a lot of them have dreads and have the seashells in their hair and different stuff. So I say that's every sex different, though. Now, what one does, the other does not necessarily do. And I, and they're really the street preaching is really, really, really aggressive. You know, I had a my white friend, Will. He asked me, he was like, man, you ever heard of these guys? He's like, man, you need to listen to this video on YouTube. It's called Banging on Esau. And Esau is a person from the Bible, a whole biblical story. But, you know, I watched the video. And actually, I want to share a clip with you all for you all to listen. Just a small one minute clip so you all can judge for yourself what these guy or this one group was about. To this earth, what kingdom came into power with holding the picket sign? Name me one. None. I'll wait. They can't do it, huh? Name me one. What kingdom came into power holding the picket sign? What kingdom came into power saying, We shall overcome? Uh huh. We shall overcome someday. You know, the white man said, Shut up, nigga. Go make me a sandwich. Yes, master. Uh, That's what happened with us. That's what happened with us. Get that, go back in Daniel. Saints should take the kingdom. Because the Most High says, the saints of the Most High, we taking this back, right? Daniel chapter 7 and verse 18. But the saints of the saints of the Most High, your so-called blacks and Latinos, standing over there, standing over here, in your cars over there, we're going to do what? But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom. Now, master going to give it to us? Shall take the kingdom. You're going to take the kingdom. That's what's happening. It don't matter if that man wants to or not, that woman wants to or not, them back there want to. I just don't want it. It don't matter. It does not matter because that white man ain't stopping. He coming for your life. Right. Okay, so that's the clip I wanted y'all to hear from YouTube. I actually put the entire link to the YouTube video in the show notes for that one if you want to check that out. I say it's very interesting and very, very, very freaking intense. And like with any groups, like I said, we have the extremists in all things. And I wanted to share with you all this story that I found online that I researched and it completely shocked me because I am a history person. I'm not going to say a history buff. I do like to st- I do like the history. I do love learning new stuff. But I found out something I never, ever freaking knew. And I want to sh- I want to share the story with you all. OK, so I got the credit goes to Essence magazine. It's a black magazine. So I want to share you all where I got some of this information from. But I want you all to listen and hear it out and tell me what you think. So on June 30th of 1974, a young black man from Ohio named Marcus Wayne Chenault. Marcus walked into an Atlanta Atlanta's Ebenezer Baptist Church. That morning, there was a 69 year old black lady named Alberta King 
she was sitting at the front of the church playing the organ. And while she was playing the organ, this young black man, Mr. Marcus Wayne Chenault, he jumped up and shouted, you must stop this. I'm tired of all of this. I'm taking over this morning. He then pulled out a handgun and started running towards the pulpit and started firing the gun. While he was firing his gun, he hit Miss King, a church deacon and a congregation member. So this guy runs out of ammo and starts to reload. And while he's reloading, members of the church jump up and they pounce on this guy and they take him to the ground and they subdue him. And while he's down on the ground, he starts yelling about the war. The war did this to me. It's the war. So Chenault's told told the police that his mission that day was to kill Mrs. King's husband, Reverend King Sr. But he shot Mrs. King because she was close to him. He claimed that all Christians are my enemies and that black pastors were a threat to black people. Chenault was charged with two counts of murder and one assault and one of carrying a concealed weapon. See, he pled insanity, but he was still found fit to stand trial. So he stands trial and he's found guilty of all the charges and he's sentenced to death. But he had his sentence commuted to life in prison. And that was only because that was the wishes of the king's family and surviving members who were all opposed to capital punishment. And so I don't know if you all know who Alberta King is, but let me inform you who she is. This wasn't just some black lady. This was the mother of the late great civil rights leader, Martin Luther King Jr. And see, this was a great article that I read in essence while I was researching this, but there's one thing that, well, two things that essence failed to really kind of put out there. I don't know why they didn't. I'm sure they know why, but you got to look at this. So I want to go back to where he was yelling the war, the war, the war did this to me. So without context and thinking about the time period, 1974, what war do you think he's referring to? This is a young guy in his 20s. He would have been a of age to have gone and fought in Vietnam. So the war you're thinking in this time period, you're thinking he's thinking he deployed to Vietnam, got messed up in the head and came back, went crazy and was yelling about the war. Well, of course, you're going to think Vietnam because that fits. But the thing is, he was never in the military. What war was he talking about? Of course, he was talking about the black Hebrew Israelites war, the great race war that was coming in the year 2000. And of course, for some odd reason, Essence magazine did not bring context to any of those comments, nor did they tell you all the fact that this young man was a black Hebrew Israelite. OK, and that's not to say that, you know, hey, all black Hebrew Israelites are violent. You know, there was a shooting that happened in New Jersey in 2019 where two black Hebrew Israelite members went into a actual Jewish synagogue in New Jersey and started shooting people and an officer responded and an officer was killed during that engagement. You know, but I mean, I mean, you could take any group of people or religion and show where somebody has gone off the rocker, you know, went crazy and they just started killing people in the name of their God or the name of their religion. So the black Hebrew Israelites are no different, but they are their own little sect and they're extreme. It's never the people in the middle you got to worry about. It's always the people on the fringes. That is why I tell people, I mean, yes, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe everything that somebody tells me that they say they read in the Bible. I don't believe everything the pastor says from the pulpit. The Bible says study to show thyself approved. 
And you have to do your own research and come to your own conclusions because people will try to take your mind and take you astray and lead you down a path just like this young guy, Marcus Wang Chenault, who murdered Martin Luther King Jr.'s mother. Man, how bizarre is that? Like, that's so crazy. Like, ah, you know, and that just makes the death of Martin Luther King Jr. even more tragic because this tragedy after tragedy has just befallen that family. My, my God, horrible, man. You know, I'm, I'm sure Paul Pelosi is somewhere right now listening to my podcast, sitting in his somewhere in his giant mega million mansion with the hammer in his hand, waiting for the vengeful black Jesus to come for him. <laughs> Bro, Paul Pelosi's loaded up with a bunch of hammers ready for the race war. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I did just do that. I did just insert that audio in here. You're welcome. I know everybody, man, you shouldn't be making fun of the dude getting clawed with a hammer. You know what? I'm, I'm just not buying anything that the media is putting out about this whole incident. And you know what? The Pelosi's get zero sympathy from me. Because, you know what, they have create, helped create this hostile environment that we all have to live in every day. I mean, even I remember when, um, Rand, Paul's, when Rand Paul got his butt kicked by his neighbor and got his rib broke, ribs broke. Like the Democrats were celebrating. I think Pelosi's daughter was even making like snide remarks about it, saying like he deserved it and all this. And, but now because your 82-year-old father gets clubbed by, with the hammer. And an incident that's still under question and very bizarre. You want me to feel sorry for him? No. Now, that's saying I don't condone violence of any type against anybody. But since the violence has already happened, you know, it is what it is, dog. It is what it is, man. I don't feel bad for them at all. But this whole thing is just so bizarre and nothing makes sense. Of course, the media thinks they have it figured out. And I'm like, no, the media definitely does not. The media is trying to tell you their side of the story to protect them because it's election season. But I'm not believing anything the media is putting out about this madness right now. I don't know about y'all, but I'm getting kind of a lot of a Jesse Smollett three in the morning during a polar vortex, getting a subway sandwich type of vibes from this story, man. You know, we have two camps of believers in this whole thing. We have one camp that believes that this was a guess a gay fling gone awry. And then you have the other camp that believes this guy was just absolutely crazy and broke into their house. So, you know, both of those are 50-50. It could go either one way or the other. But I I just have some questions, man. And my thing is, the first possibility is, yeah, maybe Paul Pelosi's gay. Who knows? I mean, man, when Nancy's away, Paul likes to party and play. If you are a gay Paul, it's okay, man. Nobody cares. I know you're an 80, 82 year old white guy. I know when you were born, like it was frowned upon and they use harsh language against the homosexual community when you were younger. But it's OK if you are, man. You don't have to be like that, bro. If Hey, man, if you like if you like young, younger men do your thing, we're not going to stand in judgment of you. That's what your party stands for. Right. You don't have to hide who you are if that's really who you are, man. And some people ask, why would I believe such a thing? Because there is no way. You can tell me that the husband of Nancy Pelosi, who is third in line for the office and the seat of the presidency, 
and they have millions of dollars they have made from insider trade. I mean, these people got money, y'all. They are rich. And you mean to tell me that they don't have some sort of private security to watch them or their house when Nancy's gone? Because when Nancy leaves, yeah, she gets uh, uh, Capitol Police protection. I, not the, uh, maybe Secret Service. It's, I, I don't know. One of the two, she does get government protection. But when Paul's at home, there's nobody there from the government. So you can't tell me that these people cannot afford private security. And you can't sit here and tell me and make me believe that these people who live in a violent, jacked up part of San Francisco in the 12th district, Nancy's district, that's got a lot of money. yo. But you mean to tell me that these people don't have a top notch, top of the line security system with glass break sensors, cameras everywhere? Bro, I'm a lowly cop and I pay monthly to have my security system and my glass break stuff because I'm not taking any gains or any chances with my family or my life. And man, y'all saw that love from one of my previous episodes. A freaking raccoon set me off and I was ready to go to war, not the race war. I was just ready to go to, go to war with the raccoon. All right. Let me get that right. Get that straight with y'all. But yeah, man, you can't sit here and make me believe that. This guy just broke into their house and there was no alarms or nothing. I mean, you have to be extremely drunk or delusional to know that, hey, I'm married to like one of the third most powerful, powerful, quote unquote, powerful people in the American government. Yeah. No, I'm just going to go to bed and uh, just leave, leave my freaking uh, alarms off and not have anything on. I'm not buying that for one second. And the second thing that makes me question is. I think somebody let that dude in the house. Paul let that dude in the house. Why? Because looking at the glass, everybody's already kind of discussed this theory, but dude, the glass is on the outside. If you're breaking into a house, the glass does not fall outside. If you punch it into the glass, the glass falls inward into the house. So it's very, very, very bizarre. And so I know a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy that works with a guy who's uncle's son's baby's mama's dog walker's friend's niece brother who attended a late night party that spoke to this guy that works for san francisco pd and said that he watched the video the officer's body camera video like i said i don't know this person directly but what i was told was that when cops got on scene paul pelosi was wearing a very expensive shirt like a um, button-up shirt with a tie no pants in his underwear and he was holding a cocktail when they when the police opened up the door and the guy Dupree or Dupay whatever was sitting next to him and they were like kind of in the foyer and they were both holding the hammer and so apparently the cops asked what's going on Dupay says nothing we're all good here and then rips away the hammer from freaking Pelosi and clobs him over the head with the hammer. And they said he was out like a light. And they said that the blood that was pouring from his head was the real thick, dark red blood. If you've never seen somebody with a head injury, y'all, let me tell y'all something. The blood, it is like, my God, I don't even know how to describe how thick it is. It's like super, super duper thick, like not even slushy, like a red milkshake thick. You know, like, And I heard that that's the type of blood that was coming out of his head. That's mean, you know, he got a serious wound during that. But they said that the way Pelosi was looking in the video, like he was kind of smiling, cringy, like a real cringy smile. 
It was weird. They said it was very, very bizarre. You know, and my other thing is his 911 call. The whole thing's just bizarre. Just listening to the 911 call was, uh, yeah, this is 911. Yeah, there's a guy here that let himself in, says he's waiting for my wife. Uh, I don't know him, but his name is Dave, and he's a friend. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of usually when I'm on patrol and I go to a park at night, and the park's closed at a certain time, yo. And I walk up to a car, and there's a gentleman in a car with a lady. I'm like, hey, man, roll down your window. Guy rolls down the window. You know, the windows are foggy. Hey, what are y'all doing out here? Oh, no, man, we just uh, playing some games on the iPhone. Just playing games on the iPhone, huh? Why is the windows foggy? Oh, I'm a heavy breather. Who's this in the passenger seat? Who's this lady? Oh, that's my friend. Oh, what's her name? I mean, I don't know her name. I just met her. You just met her and decided to come to the park and play some games on your phones in the car after hours with foggy windows. Okay. So, I mean, how do y'all know each other? I mean, I was just walking down the street and, you know, I just saw her and we just hit it off. And so what you're saying is she's a prostitute. No, sir. No, she is not a prostitute. I would never. Sir, I am happily married. I would never buy a prostitute. And see, people give you these stories and they actually expect you to believe everything they're saying. But the truth is you can listen to somebody and you can hear when they're lying. I've been cop for 12 years. I know when someone's lying, just like with Jesse Smollett. When I heard that story, I was like, bro, this don't make sense. This don't add up. People lie. And you are especially going to lie. If it's election season, you're like when this happened a week or two out from the election, your wife is, you know, a high level, high ranking government official. And what would this do to, you know, your party if this nonsense and madness got out? So, of course, you're going to lie. So like I said, I'm not buying any of this story that they're feeding us. And like I said, because I know a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy that went to school with a guy that his ex-girlfriend's best friend whose father works at the VA, whose best friend, whose dog, who has a dog walker, that dog walker's mother, you know, that person that I know that watched that video. <laughs> Got to throw you all off the scent. I don't want you all to know where I get all my info from. That's why I say the benefits of have being a cop and having a podcast. I talk to cops from all over the country, you know, so it's I, I don't it's hard for me to believe that this was a random break in. But also, could it be a random break in? Sure, it could be. Now, I've posted some stuff on my social media, some memes that were I thought were freaking hilarious of the incident, uh, alluding that this was a gay relationship or gay one night stand gone bad. I just posted because I thought it was funny. I have no proof, but my gut tells me that's what it is. But like I said, I don't you know. I don't have any proof, so I can't go off of that. But man, the other thing is, could it be just a random break in? Yeah, possibly. Because look where they're at. They're in San Francisco in the 12th district. Man, I know people that work and have lived in San Francisco recently, and they all tell me the same thing. It is an absolute hellhole, man. I mean, it is an open drug market. There's human poop everywhere. People are allowed to poop in the streets. I mean, th th there's zero mental health available. And you just have crazy people running amok in the city, unchecked, unmedicated. It's just kind of like every other major Democrat-run city in the country right now, man. So the possibility that this guy just randomly thought, you know what? I want to talk to Nancy and got a hammer and some zip ties and just showed up at their house and tried to break in. Totally plausible, but it still doesn't explain how the glass got on the outside. 
So this is going to be one of those conspiracy theories that's probably never going to be solved because nobody's going to release the video. I bet the Pelosi's going to be like, we don't want that video released. No, we're not doing it. And I mean, you mean it, like I said, it just doesn't make sense that you have all this money and no cameras to show this guy walking up to the resident. I mean, there's cameras everywhere, man. You don't mean you mean to tell me nobody on that street had a camera that can show that guy walking up to that house. I'm sure they have it, but they're just they're not going to let that out. It's election season. It'll come out after the midterms, I'm sure. And, you know, I guess it's time for us to just have an all out assault hammer ban at this point, because, my God, hammers are clearly dangerous and nobody should be in possession of a hammer in this country. You know, I think it's time that we start enacting common sense hammer bills to protect the citizens in this country. And I mean, we need background checks for when you buy a hammer. And if you do buy a hammer, you can't have more than 20 nails. And if you want to have more than 20 nails, you need to go and show them your construction license to show that you are a certified person to do construction. Because what business does anyone have with a hammer and more than 20 nails? I mean, it would only make sense, man. And like I said, I don't feel sorry for these people because what happened to them is something that happens to people in their everyday lives in reality here in America. I mean, hell, just the other week in Louisville, we had it was on 4th Street, man. We had a whole string of bad events. We had one, uh, two tourists in town walking down the street. Homeless guy asks the tourist, hey, can you give me some money for something to eat? The tourist says, no, I'm not giving you my money. Walks off. Homeless guy comes up behind the tourist, slits their throat. And attacks the other person with a knife. And of course, you know, police end up catching the guy. But now that person was in critical condition. But thank God they're going to be okay. A random attack. And then after that, they have a person on the same street in front of the Brown Hotel in Louisville. Gets attacked by a crazy dude with a freaking hammer. And that would have never happened if we would have put a ban, an assault hammer ban on people just randomly being able to get hammers. That would have never happened. And then after that, guess what? There was a mugging that happened in the same block on the same street. A tourist walking down the street. Crazy homeless person comes up, assaults her, and tries to take her purse. Hey, but you know what? Hey, Louisville's safe, though, right? It's okay to come back downtown. You know, this everything going on in this country is just maddening and driving me crazy right now. Yo, so that's why I say I don't feel bad for the Pelosi's. I really don't. I hate seeing people get hurt. I wish it didn't happen, but you know what? Hey. Is what it is, homie. Like I said, y'all helped create this hostile environment. And there is nothing more sweeter and poetic than when the junk you put out and the karma comes back to you. And you see what it's like to live as a normal, average, ordinary American citizen. And you get to, you know, and the blowback gets you. It's beautiful. And I know it sounds like I'm being a jerk, but I just think it's fair, man. These elites live in these multi-million dollar mansions and make all this money off of insider trading. And they think that they are better than us and that they're their own special class of people. Well, when it comes back to you and a crazy person breaks into your house, clobs you upside the head with a hammer, I got nothing for you. You know, and speaking of hammers, man, it almost seems like Joe Biden. It seems like someone has struck this dude in the head with the hammer multiple times because of the way this dude is running the country. And just running it into the ground. And the way that they keep lying to us, they keep saying there is no recession. Or they keep saying, no, the economy is stronger than ever. I'm like, y'all do realize we have the internet now, social media and TV. This ain't the fireside chat from back in the day with the, what was it, Theodore Roosevelt? 
This ain't fireside chat, bro. We were just listening to you through the freaking radio. We have avenues to investigate everything you say to us. And everything you say to us is a lie. And my question is, why are our political elect officials so comfortable lying to us? Why? And we let them. But let them know how you feel in a couple weeks when it comes to the midterms. And you can see how we're getting closer to the midterms because crazy brain Joe Biden. I don't even really know how to explain this. But so my wife approached me the other day. And me and my wife, we don't talk politics all the time. You know, we're on the same page. But she comes up to me and says, Dexter, would you listen to this man? What he just saying? said, I can't believe he said it. And I was like, what are you talking about? So she shows me this article and then the video, which I'm going to let y'all listen to a clip here. It says Biden announces crackdown on junk fees, surprise overdrafts. It says President Joe Biden on Wednesday said his administration is cracking down on so-called junk fees, including announcing new steps that effectively banned banks from issuing surprise overdraft free fees and depositor fees on bounce checks. So listen to this clip. Each year, but each year, these junk fees, in addition, that companies charge cost America's tens of billions of dollars, weighing down family budgets and making it harder for people to pay their bills. So my administration is taking action to eliminate these fees. First, imagine this. Your child outgrows his bicycle. And you decide to sell it online. And someone pays you a check, pays you 30 bucks for the bicycle or something. Days later, that check that you got paid with, that you deposited in your bank, it bounces. You didn't know it was bad, but you get charged 15 bucks. You get charged 15 bucks. It's wrong. It's ridiculous. It's unfair. My administration is making clear today it's illegal as well. Second, my administration is also making clear surprise overdraft fees are illegal. Listen to how those fees work. And some of you, you all know this. I mean, because you know from your everyday lives. But you pay a bill and uh, you double check your bank account to make sure before you write the check that you have enough in your account to cover it. You've gotten the money, so you go ahead and you pay. And it turns out your balance wasn't up to date because your bank was slow in processing other charges. And by the time the bank gets around to setting the, settling the transaction, you've overdrawn your account. You're charged an overdraft fee that runs around $35 each time. Did you all hear this, man? Surprise overdraft fees because you cashed a check that bounced. Let me tell you something. I'm not the smartest man in the world, but there's no such thing as a surprise overdraft fee. You shouldn't be surprised that you are broke. And that is one of the major problems in this country right now. We are enabling people's bad behavior and telling them it's not your fault. It's not your responsibility. That's the bank's fault. Listen, it's not the bank for the bank to know that you don't have $30 in your account to purchase a bike. And so, of course, when you bounce a check, guess what? You're going to get a fee. That's how it works. How do you think the bank makes money? If you don't want to be charged a fee, Learn to balance your checkbook, look at your account, and be like, hey, I don't have money to buy this. So maybe I shouldn't buy this bike and because I know this check is going to bounce. How do I know? I've been there. But I've bounced checks before. I've had fees bounce. I've gotten fees for overcharges and stuff, dude. I've, I'm a real American, man. I've not always been good with money. I'm so much better now. But my God. So... 
That's what we're doing now. We're not letting people take responsibility for their own decisions in their own bank accounts. We are now shifting responsibility from that of the individual to that of the bank. How does that make sense at all? And now let me say, I am not a fan of the banks because of all the bailouts and all that crap from over the years. Banks are predators. But at the same time, if you give yourself over to a predator because you're not doing what you're supposed to do, that's on you. That's your fault. That's not them. The banks are doing what they were designed to do. Take your money and go figure that our country, which is up to our neck in debt to China, that we don't know anything about fiscal responsibility and balancing a checkbook. Imagine that the leader of America, well, I ain't going to say leader, the elected official of America would make such a statement. Why wouldn't he? Like I said, that's how you can tell we're close to election season, man. Because it's people like Joe Biden out here pandering to you, the poor. Give me your votes and I'll help save your money. What he needs to be saying is, look, dear fellow Americans, it's me, Joe Biden. Listen, I know times are hard. I know inflation's high. I know gas is super high, too. And I know you're going broke. But here's the deal. Don't spend money you don't have. That is what a real leader would do and say to people. A real leader is not going to lie to you and tell you that it's not your fault. A real leader is going to look at you and say and point the finger and say, this is on you. But instead, we're going to go after the banks because of our personal responsibility. And see, that's a term that is lost in America, personal responsibility. And I hammered down on that again and again and again with my children, personal responsibility. But we cannot afford to make decisions that are going to hurt us. And then when it happens, try to push it off on somebody else and say, I didn't know. It wasn't my fault. It's all your fault. You can't, you can't control what the banks do, but you can control how you spend your money, where you spend your money, and what you're doing to balance out your accounts. And it's because of stuff like this why people continue to make bad choices because they have a safety net that guarantees them that if I mess up, I'm going to be taken care of. So know what that does when you give somebody a safety net? It forces them to not change and it forces them to double down on their bad behavior. And when you do that, it emboldens them. They keep doing the same thing because nothing's going to happen to them. Just kind of like with the people here in Louisville in 2020 and 2021 during the protests and riots. I just saw an article the other day that stated that protesters charged for blocking Second Street Bridge accept the plea deal. And you know what? I am not surprised. So as y'all know, if you listen to this podcast, or read my book, I was front and center in the Louisville protests and riots from June of 2015 until I guess about winter of 2021. You know, so, man, I was there. I missed the first two weeks of it. But after that, my first time back was at this event at the bridge where protesters went and blocked the Second Street Bridge. So in this article, it says. A plea agreement has been reached for 26 individuals who were charged with blocking the Second Street Bridge during protests of the shooting death of Breonna Taylor. Each of the 26 people charged will have their cases set aside and dismissed after the completion of 20 hours of community service, according to the Office of the Jefferson County Attorney. Trial was originally scheduled to begin in November for the defendants. The attorney's office said it has moved to dismiss most protest related cases, but proceeded in cases that involve instances of violence, threats, destruction of property and interference of streets and roadways. 
A total of 44 people were initially arrested on June 29, 2020, in relation to activity happening near 2nd Street Bridge during the protest. They were charged with obstructing a highway and disorderly conduct. The disorderly conduct charges were previously dismissed by the Office of Jefferson County Attorneys. The 26 defendants will be eligible to have their charges expunged from the records following completion of community service in 30 days after their case is dismissed. I wish I could say that I was shocked, but I am not shocked the least bit. I've been working in Jefferson County for 12 years and I know how this place goes. And I know that the lack of justice in America filters down all the way to Jefferson County, man, because there is no justice for anybody in this city. It comes periodically, but man, all the people that cause chaos during this time, nobody's going to get any hard charges. And like I said, I'm not surprised because that was just the vibe and the narrative. And the country had turned so much against the police and against the justice system that now we've gone to swung to the complete opposite end of the, end of the spectrum where there's just no justice. And so all these people that committed these offenses, you know, should they go to jail for a year over it? No. I mean, it's a misdemeanor charge, but no, you know, fine. Yeah. I mean, some time in jail be great, but nothing. 20 hours of community service and then they have the chance to have their records expunged. This is why we continue to have problems with crime in Louisville. This is why we continue to have problems with juveniles stealing cars. This is why our homicide rate continues to go up. This is why violent crime is just off the charts. You know, the department can try to reconcile these numbers all they want and make it seem like, oh, this, you know, we're doing better in this area. It still sucks to be a citizen in Louisville right now because crime is out of control. I mean, what about the people that had their lives affected that day trying to cross the bridge to Louisville or leaving Louisville because of these protesters? And like I say, I'm all for protests, but your right to protest should not interfere with my freedom of movement to live my life, to go about how I want going to and fro. But see, here we encourage this nonsense. And see, I want you all to remember when the midterms come, I'm not saying that the Republicans are going to be the end all be all. That's just never been the case. I've lost a lot of faith in both parties, but my God, they have to be doing better than what is going on with the Democrats right now. But man, when it comes to the polls, you all need to remember this. I need you all to remember the last two years in these cities where they burned down cities, where they burned down police stations, assaulted cops, shot at cops, shot my two friends in front of me. Y'all need to remember all this. Remember the carjackings, the violent crime, the murders, the homicide, record homicide numbers when you go to the polls, man. You all need to keep all that at the forefront of your mind. And you all have to decide what path you want America to go down next. Because if you vote Democrat, you are co-signing for more of this craziness to go on. Man, I saw a video come out of Portland the other day on Joe Rogan's show where they were talking about all the needles and syringes they found in Portland. There were hundreds of pounds in buckets of used and disposed needles, man. These cities have become a cesspool. The America's becoming a cesspool of crime and drug use. And it's disgusting. And it's everywhere you go and everywhere you turn. I'm sick of seeing it. And that's why I'm so glad I moved out of the city. And I moved my family away from that place, man. And I hate it because Louisville used to be such a great city. Still has the potential to be a great city. But because of politics and falsehood and lies placed by politicians and people seeking their next position of power on the police department, we ignored the truth 
and we let our cities burn and our officers become public enemy number one? That, that's not right. And you know what? The only way we make this right is with how we vote in the coming days. You know, and, and I, I hate political season. I really do. Because I say politics make people crazy and politics make people look at doing the political thing, not the right thing. And personally, I'm tired of all the random freaking emails and I'm tired of all the random phone calls. I don't care. You know, I'm not donating money to your campaign. I'm tired of seeing all these people faces on my TV and on my phone screen. Vote for me. Vote for this guy. He did this. I did that. You know, and, uh, the, the one person I'm really tired of seeing is freaking Stacey Abrams. Y'all know her. She's the big black lady from uh, freaking Georgia that's running for governor again. And so it's so funny how when she was running for governor and lost the race, she claimed that the Republicans cheated, that race was taken from her. And then, you know, she was criticizing the election electoral system. Then Donald Trump loses his race. He claims the same thing. And she goes in on Donald Trump for saying, you know, being an election denier. And I'm just like, what a hypocrite. You know, I wish this lady would stop running for office. And just go to her local public park and run or find a local gym and hit the treadmill and run because she is a large lady and you are not a picture of health, ma'am. Sorry to tell you, I, I, it might be cruel, but it is what it is. And I'm tired of seeing that gap to face on my phone. God, it drives me mad. You know, you need to lose, focus on losing inches and not gaining votes, sweetie. All right. <laughs> you know, and then we got the other election coming up here in Louisville, the race for Louisville mayor. Man, Louisville has been a democratic city and stronghold since 1968, since the civil rights era. You have Craig Greenberg, who's the local Democrat that's uh, running for mayor. And you also have Republican Bill Durif. He's the current mayor in J-Town. Now, I cannot vote in the election because I no longer live in the city, man. But uh, residents of Louisville, you all need to make a choice when you go to vote. And I can tell you now, I already know what Greenberg is running on. He says run with Greenberg. You know, he's for the people. You know, he's a Democrat and he's already throwing shade at Deriff saying he's a far right extremist, which is not true. Deriff is a great guy. I've met him on numerous occasions. Phenomenal guy, yo. But Greenberg is not running that hard because I, th I feel like he thinks he already has a selection on lock because he is counting on Louisville to do what Louisville does and has voted since 1968. Simply vote, stay the party line, vote Democrat. Louisville has always voted Democrat. Man, there's so many officers on this department that are just crushed and have no hope because they just believe that Greenberg is going to be Fisher 2.0. And I believe that as well. Yo, so as I say, I that's why I'm no longer here on the department. My last day is actually coming up on the 5th. My next podcast, I'll give you all a little bit more details on that. So, but yeah, now I've, I've left, I've left the city and left this department. So yeah, man, it's a, man, it's a, it's a high time right now to get out and vote. It's never been more important to go vote because man, this city has been destroyed over the years by the democratic party. And you know what? You can't complain about the way things are. If you continue to vote for the same stuff. You just continue to vote Democrat and you get what you get. And I'm not like I said, I'm not saying that Republicans are going to be 100 percent better and that, you know, there's going to be things that are wrong that are not right. No one party has the end all be all. But we have to do something to change the current trajectory of Louisville. I mean, our police force is hurting. Everybody's losing numbers, man. Crime is out of control. You know, so and I think that honestly, the best person for the job is Deer. It's just no question. Greenberg is a guy that is rich and has money. 
you know, and he's you know a business guy. But when you had look at the mayor race here, you have Bill Durf, who actually has a city. And man, he's been running. He's been the mayor of J-Town for years. This man knows what he's doing. And man, I watched the debate the other night between Greenberg and Dariff, and the difference was so crazy. You could listen to Greenberg, the Democrat, talk. He was so robotic and rehearsed. It was like he's reading from a script, and he couldn't get off the script because that's the only thing he has to go on you. But when Dariff would speak, you would listen to Dariff, and he was just calm, confident, reasonable, rational. You know, he, he's done this before. He knows what he's doing. Man, it was such such a great debate, and Dariff absolutely destroyed Greenberg. There is no clue who's more the more qualified candidate. I just hope that the residents of Louisville look at who's qualified and not the party. And there was one part that was just a freaking stinger, bro. It was at the end when they were giving their closing statements. So Craig Greenberg's whole thing is, you know, I'm running with you. You know, I've been running through the city, and, you know, I'm with you all. I'm here to run with you, Louisville. And Dariff shoots back at, he's been running through the city. I've been running a city for many years. Boom. That right there is all you need to hear, man. Gosh, dang what a comeback that was, dude. So I am pulling for Dariff, man. And I'm doing it for the citizens of Louisville, but also just for my brothers on the Louisville Metro Police Department and my sisters, man. They need a good mayor. The city needs a good mayor. Y'all need a good police department and a good police chief. We need good new leadership, man. We have to have it. If not, if you think things are bad now, just wait. <laughs> things are going to get a lot worse if we continue on this current trajectory. And But with that said, I'm going to go ahead and get ready to sign off on this one. Thank you all for tuning in to the Iron Pits podcast again, as always. Thank you for the downloads and thank you for reaching out to me. And like I said, ladies and gentlemen, my last episode, if you enjoyed the audio version of the book that I just put out, the uh, the sample I gave you all on the last podcast episode. Please drop me an email and tell me what you think. I'm looking for critiques, good or bad. Just tell me what you think, man. And also, like I said, my book, I Am Pitts, Memoirs of an American Patriot, is out. Still selling well. Very happy about that. So if you want a copy, go to IamPitts.com. You can get it on Amazon. Or if you want a signed copy, drop me an email at IamPitts at Yahoo.com. And I'll tell you how to purchase a signed copy from me. Also, man, I've had a lot of stuff going on here. I've been on a couple shows here. I was just on the uh, Disarranged podcast a couple days ago with the guys from there, two Marines, great guys. If you haven't, be sure to follow the Disarranged podcast on YouTube. And also, I was on a local podcast here to talk about town. And, man, both great guys, Neil and Chad, very thankful to have been on their show. So if you could, also go follow them on YouTube as well. Like I, said, I also have my own YouTube channel where my show, my podcast gets downloaded to YouTube automatically. So if you want, follow I Am Pits on YouTube channel. And also, if you could, ladies and gentlemen, I am trying to get my followers up on Instagram. Please help me. I'm desperate and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but if you could, if you are listening to this, please go and follow me on Instagram at I Am Pits one, the number one. I Am Pits the number one. Okay. And if you haven't, please do that. Tell your friends, tell your friends, friends, tell the guy that you know, that knows a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy that works with a guy to tell them to follow me on Instagram as well. Trying to get up to at least a thousand followers by, I must say, probably about January. I'm not going to say by the end of the year. That's pushing it, man. 
You know, there's a million guys out there like me with a podcast that are cops and veterans. So I'm just one of many, you know, I'm just one of many voice. But regardless of me being one of many voices, I am thankful for you all to always. I will always tell you, thank you all for tuning in. giving me your time to listen to my podcast, listen to me rant and rave. And hopefully I make y'all laugh. Hopefully I make you think. But as always, man, I cannot thank you all enough. And if you all could, I know it's the holiday season and everybody's spending money. The Roy Williams Foundation is still in need of your assistance. I said veterans are still in a crisis in America. We're losing more and more veterans each and every day to suicide. They come home from the war, but then they lose the war at home. There's no reason why we should lose more men and women in America at home during peacetime than when we did to the war when it was actually raging. So if you could, please go to RoyWilliamsFoundation.org. And if you could donate, I mean, any little bit you have helps. I had a buddy that listened to the show, my man Jump. Thank you. I want to thank you for your slight contribution to the Roy Williams Foundation. They are extremely appreciative. Anybody else, man, like I said, if you could, any little bit helps. I don't care if it's a dollar. Just whatever you can to help this organization that's exists to try to help veterans fight back the darkness. I know what it's like to fight back the darkness. I've been there. I've done it. It's not fun. And you need a community and you need guidance and you need help. And that is what the Roy Williams Foundation exists for. All right. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to go ahead and sign off. Man, I love you all. Thank you for con- you know, continuing to listen to the show. Leave me comments and reviews. You know where to do that at on Apple, Spotify, or um, leave me a And also, if you could, leave me a book review. All right. If you buy my book on Amazon, you better leave a brother a review. If you don't, I'm going to send vengeful black Jesus after you. All right. <laughs> so with that said, I'm going to go ahead and sign off, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the I Am Pitch podcast, and I will see you all on the next one.